Alright, welcome listeners to the final Unverified Accounts episode of this glorious year of 2020. And to help us close it out, we have a guest. Jerry, how are you doing, Jerry? Hi, I'm Jerry. My pronouns are they, them. And of course, Liza and Philip are here with us. Can't forget you guys. What's up? Hey. Uh, so Jerry, we are more than just Twitter friends. We've actually, I've actually met you in real life. I think it was sometime last year you were holding a comedy fundraiser for Bernie Sanders. Hey, remember when that thing was still going on? <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> uh, so we're about, you know, we've known each other online for a while now, so we're very happy to have you on the pod. Uh, Thanks. And so we're very happy. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, yeah. Um, the You know what's funny is like that comedy fundraiser was actually this year. It was in February before everything caught yeah. on fire. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Jerry. I live in New York. Um, what's there to know? I do stand up when that was a thing. Um, <laughs> photography when it was okay to be outside. Um, and I used to write before I lost all creative inspiration. So now I'm just kind of a blob um, at oh, no. home. It's cool. It's blobs cool. of the world unite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Better a blob than some sludge. You know, it could be worse. You could be sludge. Uh, it's, what's that? That's like a Grimer and a Muck, right? Like two <laughs> two Pokemon of the same evolution branch. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jerry is here to help us make our predictions for 2021. But before we jump into that, Liza, you uh, stumbled on some news apparently about Trump, uh, who's apparently still president and he's still doing shit. Uh, what's happening, Liza? Yeah, so he is refusing to sign the COVID-19 stimulus package, which I think is very funny because, um, you know, after the Democrats, uh, even the ones who consider themselves progressive said that like $600 is really going to help everyone out. It's better than nothing. I think it's pretty funny that he just comes out tonight and he says, I'm not signing that. You guys sound stupid. Give everyone two thousand dollars. <laughs> and then he also you, said streaming is not a crime. Oh my oh, god! He did he say is, that. Oh man! Wow. He's the true populist. People, <laughs> <laughs> more money, more illegal streaming. Who cannot get behind that? Um, oh man! Th- th- no, this is a total genius move because this is house money, White House money. That is, he doesn't care about this country. I mean, fuck America for him, right? You guys didn't vote me back in. So everybody gets money. I don't care what you you fuckers at the Heritage Foundation say. Certainly doesn't care what the Democrats say. And imagine he actually creates uh, like a you know a lasting Trump party whose ideology <laughs> I guess is ideology is more money and more more illegal streaming. Again, that's like way more appealing than what either of these parties are offering. Is this like a like is this is this causing like a confused boner for leftists and progressives who've been kind of like ripping apart? the yes. bill the last couple yeah, of days yes when i opened up twitter everybody was like holy shit trump is outflanking the democrats from the left so i was like what am i missing so i just kept scrolling and i found all i it's it's like trending now wait Crazy. so let me let me catch up so basically he he won't sign the stimulus bill because he says we should give more money apparently so he's he's saying that six hundred dollars <laughs> is stupid and that everyone deserves two thousand dollars i he also said streaming is not a crime and that was in quotes that's a weird thing that's a weird that's a weird thing to pick out from the bill because yeah. it was a weird thing to include in the bill to begin with so oh man weird well see i guess that's that's trump's political genius he knows what the people want he people knows what want, people actually care about yeah people don't want to pay for nbc peacock when i watch my soccer <laughs> i don't want to pay 
five bucks more. Yeah, yeah I want to so. watch The Office without fucking getting into NBC shit, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean that's where but we are right now. Can he actually do it, or is he just threatening it? Like, to see, can he like, can he still take out like his magic like executive power pen and just like go nuts? I think so, right? Because the president has veto power over everything. He's got a and month. He's- and he's not like the type of person who's going to worry about his like post-presidential political career. <laughs> so why not, right? Yeah, go rogue. No, he's already gonna he's already gonna be a media star after this. He knows it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so okay, why don't we get these predictions rolling with uh, Jerry? Why don't you give us your first prediction for the new year? Yes. Um, <laughs> So this one's on the forefront because like I'm in this queer Asian Facebook group and like someone wrote a celebratory post about post about Pete Buttigieg. I never learned how to pronounce his name right. I don't want to. Um, so politics is are on my mind. Um, so my first prediction, um, I, I feel like this one's kind of a low hanging fruit, but um, Andrew Yang, he's going to announce his campaign for New York City mayor. Um, I think it's he he may or may not announce this part, but um I'm pretty sure it's because he's not going to be offered a Biden cabinet position. Um, I feel like he kind of hinted at that earlier, like when he dropped out of the race and like, um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's going to run for mayor. I think he's actually going to do pretty well, much to my disappointment. Um, My absolute hope and dream is that Diane Morales or Carlos Menchaca, I think that's his name, um, will win out. So that's prediction one. If we want to, Talk about that for a second. Andrew Yang, I just read an article. He is apparently the leader right now, albeit like 40% uh, of the population is undecided. So this is kind of meaningless right now. But, you know, you'd rather, I guess, be him than the person who's coming in last right now. So uh, honestly, I don't know why anyone would want to be mayor of of New York. It just seems like a poison (laughs) chalice, uh, (laughs) even worse than being manager of Arsenal. But I guess, you know, if, if it's a might be a good gig if you can get it. What are you guys' thoughts? Wait, when you say he's ahead in the, are you saying he's ahead in some like polls or like on bet three six five? Like what do you? No, mean? Uh, polls like straw polls at this point. Oh man, mm, okay. Yeah. But probably because it's like name recognition. He did just run for president. I don't think anyone really that famous else is running. So in this pack, he is the celebrity, I guess. <laughs> if he wins, do you think he'll try to do like a UBI for New York? Would that be? Well, a, what else that would he be do? a thing? That's like his whole thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could be um, interesting. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I don't really know much about like New York municipal politics, but like, I, yeah, just the. It, it's all about like all these people who failed in the Democratic uh, candidate race. It's just all about getting a launching pad for something else, and this could make a lot of sense for him. So that could be pretty pretty dope to see him run, I guess. But I don't know if he's going to win. Don't know anything about the other two candidates that you mentioned here. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like thinking about like how many restaurants I, I get. I guess like it's. Chinatown so like what like what would I expect but like I'm just thinking about how many restaurants I ate at that like had a little like yang yang sticker in their window <laughs> you think he's um, going for the, the Chinese like the Chinatown vote yeah he's like Chinatown and Flushing and then like he's got all the like finance bros in his corner and mm. I don't know I, I think his chances aren't bad <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so I have this whole like theory of Andrew Yang when it comes to Asian Americans um, based on what I've seen um, just like stuff over the course of his campaign. And I don't really think it has anything to do with the actual issues. And the thing that's always really fascinated me is that uh, the subreddit Asian identity has always been a big supporter of Andrew Yang, even though Andrew Yang is nothing 
you would call uh, any kind of like racial firebrand. You know, the times he has talked about race, he has always been very acquiescent. Uh, or he just says, hey, you know, race, we shouldn't really talk about it. Let's talk more about truckers and stuff like that. So it's like, why would, why would Asian identity guys who are always all about, you know, race be so supportive of him? And I think it's because that Andrew Yang is an outsider to the Democratic Party, which uh, to a lot of people, to a lot of Asian Americans, like Democrats don't really have Asian American interests at heart, especially when it comes to things like affirmative action or even the whole like identity politics style of identity politics that they've adopted in which Asian Americans really don't matter. So they see him as a path around that. And that's why they support him. And that's why I think the Asian American media from the start has always been against Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang has done, done some like dumb shit. Like that Washington Post op-ed was pretty dumb. That was but pretty even dumb. Bef- that was, so that was pretty dumb. But even before that, they were getting on his case about he makes too many doctor jokes or um, whatever. And it's like, what? Are, like, yeah, doctor jokes are kind of it's lame, but is that really something to really go after him for? And I think it's the, the, re- the reason that people support him for being an outsider to Democrats are the reason I think these people oppose him. And I think the counterpart to Andrew Yang in this in this thing for Asian Americans was Elizabeth Warren, because if you look at there was like the Asian American petition mm-hmm. for Warren, who signed it? It was like Celeste Ng, Constance Wu, uh, these types of people that Asian identity hates. And mm-hmm. I, I think I don't think it's any uh, accident because I think for them, I don't think they supported, again, Elizabeth Warren on the issues. I think they supported her because Elizabeth Warren became the go-to candidate for the whole like blue check identity politics crowd. Yes. You look at the type of black people that she hired. Uh, you know, the when I say BLM, I don't mean like BLM, the wider movement. I mean like the BLM corporation people, those types of people. She really mm-hmm. allied herself with them. Uh, there was a hilarious uh, Elizabeth Warren barbershop thing. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> of it, but it was really funny uh, where there were allegations that uh, her like black staffers created a fake barbershop and pretend that they were really what? excited for Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> okay. But that's essentially who she ended up with. Uh, no coincidence that she massively uh, underperformed among black people. So these are the two camps in Asian America. And that's a reason I don't want to see Andrew Yang run because it's going to stir up a lot of this whole like identity politics, gender war shit in Asian America. Mm. I say, Andrew Yang, go, go do your, go get like a Netflix show or whatever. <laughs> Not you come in in New York City mayor. Everyone will hate you after year one, and I'd rather not see the object of that hate be a be an Asian guy. So yeah, please stay away. Yeah, I respect that analysis. I'm, I'm. um, No, that's that's totally fair. I I completely blanked and forgot my train of thought. That's how good it was. Um, Oh well, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Um, All right, so why don't we move on, Eliza? Why don't you give us a prediction of yours? Uh, where I live in Maryland, Larry Hogan is in the news like every single day and he's not even here in the States. So I think he's going to be, he's going to continue to be in the news more as he ramps up his presidential run, which is what they all think that he's going to do. He's also like promoting some stupid book. Um, (laughs) the positive is that hopefully all the corruption of Baltimore politics will get exposed because I, you know, we have one of the most, uh, I mean, I know that all of American politics, even at the local level is very corrupt. But like, from what I understand, Baltimore is one of the worst. So you think he's going to run for president on the Republican ticket? It sounds like, yeah. He's like testing the waters, I think, when he does. I think that part of the reason he's doing this national book tour is to like test the waters. Mm, You know, maybe see how popular he is. I don't think it's going to happen. 
No, I think he has no chance in hell because how do you follow up Trump? It looks, it reminds me of like a Chris Christie that. run. Exactly. Oh. I think he would actually be kind of popular with centrist Democrats. But with the Republicans who are, who are convinced that Biden stole the election, they're going to want like another Trump guy. They don't want yeah. Larry Hogan. So yeah, total non-starter. Okay, uh, Philip, why don't you give us one of yours? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I think I think Liza and I've been talking about this since uh, it was clear that Biden was going to win. But I think in 2021, leftist movements are going to see a lot more antagonism in the press, mm-hmm. or they'll just be like all their efforts will be kind of silenced uh, entirely. And at the most most practical level, I think AOC and the Squad are going to be kind of slowly but surely subsumed into like mainstream Dems uh, in terms of what kind of policy making they can do, and any kind of positive progressive steps they're going to take well you'll see it online you'll see it on like twitter you'll see it mentioned in the intercept and so on but you'll see it completely blacked out in the mainstream media right i think they're going to go hard and like clamping down on any kind of like extra progressive talk outside of what mainstream dems want to see uh especially around big figures like aoc like she's getting watered down basically yeah i think that if the mainstream media does finally begin to criticize biden i think it'll be um to push Kamala as the president instead of like pushing for actual change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You know, I think that like the whole, the whole identity thing will just constantly be pushed and pushed like, Oh, you know, it's Biden is he sucks. And like, it's time for a black woman to be, to be the president, you know, no more white men. And then like, it's, it's going to, it's going to deter from a lot of what actually needs to happen, which is, you know, they'll never go against themselves. Yeah, yeah. I can see any missteps that Biden takes being kind of like, um, you know, them trying to attach his identity to it, right? Like he's a, you know, senior straight white man who doesn't understand the needs of Americans. Um, But luckily, you know, he's got a vice president who may be able to do a better job uh, four years from now. I maybe, yeah. It's just hard to imagine, right? Because it'd be weird for them to do that with her kind of like there you know in the, in the background it's just kind of awkward right it's like how can you talk up her and talk down him so that's that's the only part where i can see that not really playing through but mm-hmm. i mean jerry I, I think you're more involved with politics than we are you're also in new york city w- what are your thoughts on this on um, well i i'm trying to like come up with something like a concrete thesis or hypothesis just because like i he i'm curious to see like how they're gonna criticize him because like from reading biden's like platform or what little platform i felt like he had um because like his entire platform was basically like oh i'm not trump like that okay (laughs) um but like when it when it like came to actual policies or like anything, I feel like he was pretty moderate so like i'm really curious to see like how they're going to criticize um or at least like the mainstream media is going to criticize him um i i feel like i don't know i don't want i i'm a little scared of this prediction because i could see it happening (laughs) (laughs) but i really i really do want to believe that like at least like i'll see it on twitter that like aoc like continues to call out establishment democrats because like that's what she did with like um uh, like when she first got into office, she was like setting mm-hmm. everything on fire and like it was great. Um, so I don't I, I, I don't know. I, I I was I was kind of hoping that like I haven't looked at like the House and and um, how 
any other election went other than the presidential one. So I don't really know how um, progressive the new Congress is or lack thereof. Um, I'm secretly hoping that some secret leftists got elected, but I feel like that may not be the case. Uh, no, um, it was pretty bad for the Democrats. Um, cool. So I don't <laughs> think progressives snuck in there. And in fact, I, I think the the centrists are using this as a way to blame their poor performance on the progressives. That's why there's like a whole argument over defund the police and socialism, those like specific words. Mm. Uh, and with the Georgia, you know, the runoffs. Oh, God. Uh, that's like been the big uh, standoff like what Mm -hmm. stance do we take do we tack to the right or the left to win these Mm, crucial races I see yeah I I actually um, I feel connected to Georgia because I'm from Alabama it's like where I am now and like I actually saw like an interview that John Ossoff did however you Mm -hmm. pronounce his last name Um, I can't pronounce any of these white men's (laughs) names which I think is a great role reversal but anyway (laughs) Um, and he is a very, very like centrist, if not conservative Democrat. Like he, he'll go out of his way to denounce things like Medicare for all. And yes. Yeah. Medicare. Not, not even like, like, I think, like, I think most centrist Democrats were like, no, like, I think we can find a solution where everyone gets health care that isn't Medicare for all. But I feel, I swear I saw a John Ossoff video where, <laughs> or interview where he was like, no, like veto it, like not not don't agree like bad um and so that's like kind of really hard because like everyone is playing him up as like some great thing for georgia but i'm i I don't know like he's not that great (laughs) in practice um so and the sad thing is i don't think it's him i think it's the other guy but they're running against kelly loffler who's most famous as the person who cashed in insider trading yeah yeah Yeah. and if you can't beat that person oh man that's pretty dire right man yeah um all right uh i'll give one uh prediction i think that mainstream identity politics as we know it will become easier to criticize and i think the reason is that more black men are going to fall away from it Mm. and i started seeing this in the summer when like in the midst of the renewed uh, black lives matter movement there was this very odd uh, attack uh, on black men, even though the black men were the ones being killed. And then it persisted. And then there was that weird like Ice Cube incident, you know, in the in the lead up to the election where uh, Ice Cube talked to Trump about like some, you know, compact for black America. And then he was accused of essentially being a, a collaborator. Uh, and then there was like this thing where, like, well, there was a sense that if Trump won, uh, it'll be black men's fault. And it's a, it seemed like they needed a patsy in case 2016 repeated itself. Mm. And I think I think like black men are seen as the like moral like arbiters in liberal circles. So if you see them starting to criticize the Democrats and and this like identity politics thing, I think a lot of people left cover to voice their concerns as well. So that's that's my prediction for, I feel, for the coming I, I year. I thought that black women were the considered the arbiters in yeah, liberal circles. Yeah, that's what circles. I thought too. You they're know, like, you know, they're the like the new, like, arbit- they're trust, like the new trust, arbiters, yeah. How, oh, because of, uh, because of um, uh, George Floyd and all that stuff, right? Like that's... I, I think it's them- a combination of various things, but I think for a long time, black men have been seen as our like 
guardian angels of racial conscience and everything. Uh, so uh, I think if you start seeing them, you know, start falling away, I think people will feel more comfortable, um, you know, of all races, genders, etc., uh, you know, criticizing it. Do, does class count as like part of those identity politics? Because like I am happy to let not I don't want to say like forget race entirely, but I'm happier to prioritize class than I am like race. Does that make sense? Like, I yeah. Would, and I th- yeah. think um, I think in like 2016, uh, that would have been tantamount to basically being a racist. You know, like how dare you? <laughs> still is. I think that if you put class first, like it's like look what happened to all the Bernie Bros. We were all called like racists that just want free healthcare. Yeah, but I think now it's less. And I think someone like I can just point to myself an example. Like you know, we did the whole episode on how we used to be you know neoliberal shitheads. Twenty like fifteen, twenty sixteen. <laughs> I would have uh, been like, hey, you know, if you're like class first, you're automatically racist. I don't think that anymore, and I I don't think Same. I'm the only one. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I mean that, uh, by people calling out more uh, this like identity politics thing. Mm. And when I say identity politics, I would say, I don't mean this whole concept of your identity informing your politics. Of course that matters. I'm talking about this, this whole like professionalized uh, industrial complex behind, uh, you know, identity. And okay. Uh, moving on. Why don't we move on to entertainment? That was like all politics. We can go back mm-hmm. to that, but uh, Jerry, why don't you give us an entertainment based prediction? Okay. Um, this one again, more low hanging fruit, but um, they're going to release a pandemic-related movie. I, I mean, like, that's... I say it's low-hanging because I swear to God I saw um, a teaser for it on, yet again, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to flop harder than Contagion. Um, <laughs> I remember watching Contagion and, like, I fell asleep during it, um, which mm-hmm. I kind of... Which is, I don't know, I got to live it this year. Did, so did you I watch get, it this year or did you watch it when it came out in, like, 2012? Oh, no, when it came out oh, <laughs> in high school, yeah. Okay. Um so and it's going to be released digitally it's not going to go to theaters like it would fit in the theme to like just go straight to digital um so that's my prediction one of my predictions for 2021 in the entertainment department yeah i've started seeing these articles all about how like 2020 was a lost year um i saw one on the atlantic on vox and i i what my prediction actually is is uh, uh, related to yours, Jerry, and I think we're gonna start seeing a bunch of like TV shows about like twenty something city dwellers, probably New York City, maybe San Francisco, and it's all gonna be about how they're Isn't coping. Is there already one? Yeah, they're already loving the age of the, the pandemic. No, 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 or no, no, not that one. The uh, the Michael Bay movie. No, no. Okay, Wait, so I, Michael okay, Bay. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So the thing Chris is Chris is predicting already happened it's called like love in the age of a pandemic or something on netflix that show already exists it's oh, about love like in the time of covid time of covid whatever and the <sighs> thing that jerry predicted i think is a movie that's being that already has a trailer called songbird uh which is a michael bay movie because there's explosions and shit in it um and it's gonna be released next year and i think in the if you watch the trailer it's it's covid 22 or something like that it's like not covid 19 it's like a few years later a stronger strain of covid comes out and the states becomes like a neo-fascist uh, regime while trying to manage this outbreak. And it's it's a movie that's already happening, already being filmed, I think, too. So, uh, Philip, I know about that show. I think it was out on Hulu, right? But I think this is going to okay. be aimed at, at millennials because I, I think it was the Vox article that focused more on, you know, 20-somethings who are expecting to live the post-college, uh, you know, carefree uh, life, but now couldn't. 
I think that we're going to see a series on that. Uh, it's going to be created by like a woke young white woman. And then she's going to do this. She's going to get backlash for it by a bunch of uh, people of color who say uh, she's trying to, uh, I don't Karen the whole thing or whatever. But these like uh, minorities are essentially, you know, they went, they're basically her, uh, except a different shade. They all went to the same schools. They have the same mindset. Uh, and th- that's going to create a, uh, controversy even though that that original uh white woman tried to be as woke as possible because if you read these articles they're always like there's always gonna be a couple of paragraphs about i know how uh the uh the privilege of, of finding yourself in your 20s is not available to most black and brown uh young people and all that like uh, yeah. this is a very <laughs> so, precise prediction you're making this is like you know and i guarantee it's gonna happen <laughs> okay <laughs> and it's gonna be it's gonna be produced by uh uh your girl what's her name from uh, girls, oh Lena, Lena. Dunham. I was Lena, just thinking yeah, that Lena yeah. Dunham will, will be executive producer on that. <laughs> she's, my, she's my girl, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Liza Phillips. Is Songbird already out on Prime and iTunes? Oh, is it? Oh my God, they've already made the movie that Jerry predicted. Yeah, is that I what you're could saying? have sworn oh that I God, saw it the God. other day oh, when I was scrolling Lord. through. No, oh, and I'm looking at the thumbnail no. right now. During a pandemic lockdown, Nico, a young man with rare immunity must overcome martial law, murderous vigilantes, and a powerful family to reunite with his love, Sarah. Not a one star on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, it was released 10 days ago in Russia. So I guess, yeah, I guess in it's Russia? out. Yeah, I don't know. There's always a, some weird initial release date. And it's, date. Got, it's got Michael Bay's name attached to it as the producer. Yep. Yeah, you know, look, I love the Russians. I would not, I would not really trust their contemporary movie tastes, though. Um Oh, no, it was released a day later in the U.S., so it was released uh, on December 11th. Yeah, so I'm it's- pretty sure they're pushing it because I was watching Contagion. I watched it at the beginning of the pandemic when, like, everything shut down, and then I watched it again a few days ago. And, like, after I watched Contagion, Songbird came up as a recommendation. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I want a moratorium on any, any like, creative work about, uh, about COVID for at least 10 years. I don't think yeah. anything good <laughs> can come of it. Uh, like we don't want to, we don't want to, we already like, have contagion. We don't need anything else for now, at least. Yeah. Contagion needs to distance. be acknowledged by the Oscars. I mean, it was like retroactive Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give it, it the, uh, give it the Award. when it first came out. And so lifetime I mean, achievement, it was like number one on iTunes for like at least a week or two. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, the two weeks that everyone thought it was going to be like a little vacation. Oh yeah, yeah. TBT. Yeah, it's gonna be like when the lights go out and we have to light a candle. Oh my god! <laughs> Everyone was clapping every night at seven o'clock. Does that still happen? Uh, by the way, like, no. oh, no, people no. just stop. Okay, no, people got too demoralized sometime in the midsummer. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about uh, so like COVID movies? But what about like Trump era movies? They they kind of did that, right? Like the that movie about hunting deplorables or whatever. I forgot what it was called. What? The Hunt? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um that one. That like it got and it got pushed back because like uh of like some mass shooting or something like that and then they finally just gave up and released it digitally, I think. <laughs> mhm. I mean, like typically right wing government is- administrations are followed by like some really radical art, you know, like in the 70s, we had the new Hollywood school that um, all these movies that were post-Vietnam, post-Nixon, like post-Watergate, they all came out. And like something tells me that we're not going to get that this time. Well, like a critical response to the terror that was Trump? 
yeah, I think it's going to be less of a critical response to the Trump era and more of a hooray, we, we stomped out the fascist, like hooray for uh, whatever comes next that they want to force down our throats and accept as like progressive. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, Philip, what you just said, the terror of Trump, I don't know if you said that like facetiously, but the thing was like Trump for most of us wasn't scary. He was just really funny. Yeah, because you live in New York, like you just people in New York are just embarrassed by him. But like materially speaking, your life hasn't really changed that much, I guess, unless you had maybe like Muslim relatives or friends who couldn't make it into the country. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, why does it matter? Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the problem. Like, you did you guys you... see that article that someone posted the other day? That was a it was the New York Times doing like some post election analysis. Ooh, about that immigrants? was talking about how. Uh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, the one that like almost every single immigrant community doubled its support of Trump because actually most people's material lives actually got better. What? All right, we'll have to discuss that. Well, because, yeah, if you think about it, what uh, materially bad happened under Trump? I, th I think people call Trump the worst president, no, by far not close. I think what's accurate is Trump was definitely the most embarrassing president. And that's a big difference. <laughs> if, if, he, if that kind of stuff embarrasses you, but I'm just like, oh, come on, the American president, like, we all laugh at all of them anyway. Yeah. Is he any more embarrassing than Bush? Um, yes, I think, because... Uh, oh, I mean, he was just such a clown, <laughs> and he was—I mean, like as as low as Bush went, he did not make fun of a potential uh, president can candidate's height. You know, that's like that's like a level <laughs> Trump went at. Mini Mike, that yeah, one. Mini Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bush also didn't have social media. There was no Twitter back then for him oh, to goof off right. on. Yeah, and I think whatever clownery Bush did is very tempered by the fact by the actual atrocities that he committed. Whereas with <laughs> Trump, true. it's not as I mean, like I think Trump's biggest atrocity will be his inaction to COVID. But even with that, you got to wonder if even if you had uh, a capable president at the helm. There were just some very institutional flaws in America that no president could have fixed. Trump certainly made things worse, but it not, it's not like he turned a potential, like, I don't know, Vietnam-like response into what we had. It still probably would have been terrible, even if we had a very capable president. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to think about. I think, like, what, what made it, it so bad was, like, he emboldened a lot of quiet people like before, you know, like comparing mm -hmm. Bush and Trump, like they're both bad. Um, and one might even say mm, racist. Uh, but I think like what people let Bush get away with is because he had he knew how to do it politely, which I think always goes further in America is like the sense of civility Um and um, Trump just said what was on his mind, um, which a lot of racists used to not do. Um, and because, uh, like, I will say, like, I I'm I'm I mean, obviously, we live in this timeline um, and we never would have known. But I will say when COVID first started happening and Chris, I don't know if you felt this, but when COVID first started happening in New York City, like there was a huge spike in like anti-asian hate crimes and like mm -hmm. i i can't say for certain that that would have been different under 
any other president, but Trump definitely did not make life easy for me, at least mm-hmm. in March. Like I was definitely afraid of like I wasn't. even. Yeah. I remember like I wasn't even afraid of like getting covid because like, well, we didn't really know what it did. But I was like more afraid of like being hate crimed on the train because um, like I had re- I had read that story about like, oh, this Asian grandma was like walking around and she got set on fire or this mm-hmm. other Asian man got stabbed nine times in broad daylight. Um so yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I, I. So yeah, that central hypothesis. I think like he, he was just as shitty as like most American presidents tend to be. But like it was like the social societal effects that like really made him <laughs> an awful four years. He 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 definitely stirred up the cultural wars, right? Like. Like in in meat space, not just online, but in meat space as well, right? And the anti Asian racism during COVID was a good example of that. Yeah, and one of his lasting legacies is that now every politician has to be sassy on Twitter. <laughs> and he like, could you imagine like even like twenty, you know, I don't know, fourteen uh, politicians like calling each other like idiots or whatever on Twitter? It was it's like unimaginable, like. You think of like what sunk Mitt Romney in 2012. One of the things was he got called out on a like a minor fact check in a debate with Obama, and people were like, "Oh, you know, he's done for." <laughs> and now, as you said, you, you got politicians just swearing at each other's social media. Yeah, a lot of that is because of Trump, and I think that's his lasting legacy. He really did uh, lower the bar on decorum. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. St- you actually think it's gonna. St- the yes. bar is gonna stay yes. low. I think yeah. it's people love the reset dirt. It. Really, once they get a taste of it, uh, they cannot go back to the way it was. Um, is it be- is it because you're, you think that the, the the media companies like NBC, CNN, and so on found that they got mm-hmm. so much engagement from Trump that they want to actually promote more of this kind of like oh, absolutely. content? Absolutely, because you know? it. Because you mm-hmm. get the clicks, yeah. like, but but I'm, okay, that's fine. I I agree with that, right? Like these fucking websites need the clicks. These, you know, they need the views online and so on. But you don't have a president who's going to generate this shit anymore at the same yeah, rate. But you'll have you know hangers on, and, and you know Trump spawned the whole cottage industry of like blue wave reply guys and gals who's who made careers out of you know quote tweeting every Trump tweet and you know giving their own sassy replies to it. And, you know, as I said, once these people get a taste of it, they're not going to go back. And we've we've unleashed the beast. There's this whole article about how uh, China is now uh, employing a Twitter force of essentially like Trump-like provocateurs to troll. Like they're like professional trolls. I mean, they're like nominally de- diplomats, but they just go around trolling uh, people. You saw that with, I think it was Marsha Blackburn uh, who had tweeted something about China and then... China yeah, yeah, and there's some forever, leading China whatever. diplomat, I forget his name, called her a, a lifetime bitch. And <laughs> wait, yes, I've seen <laughs> those. Yes, and, yeah, and remember, Chinese that was, people, that was, Chinese that was people are not allowed awesome, on Twitter, actually. right? So these are probably all you know Americans or whatever, and they love that shit. You know, they're like, <laughs> Left, leftist Twitter love that shit. They brought it back up again today because they were digging through the, uh, the the omnibus bill, and they found that um, Martha, what's her name? was one of the few people who voted against it because she there was something in it that she didn't like like she didn't like that basically poor people were getting money uh something to that extent 
And they were saying like that guy, that Chinese guy, was totally correct in calling her a lifetime <laughs> bitch. <laughs> As I said, I, I think that is a legacy of Trump. Like if you see the Amer- uh, oh American president do that, nobody can say uh, you know this is like beneath you. The American president did it. <laughs> so it's like, I think the only person uh, True, I yeah. don't know, maybe if the Pope did it, that might be more. But it's like you know, it's very it's very high up. You know. Okay. All right. Moving on. Why don't we go into science, uh, Jerry? What do you what what's your prognostication in science? <sighs> um, well, depressing. Um, I was just like thinking about it today because I've seen so many people just like out and about. Um, I think the American COVID death count will hit easily five hundred thousand, if not more, before normies um, get the vaccine. Um, what is it at right now? Maybe like three hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah, three hundred seven. Oh, it might be twenty. Yeah, it was three hundred seventeen when I wrote that prediction. Okay. So it's probably more by now. Remember when we thought it it might stay in five figures? Five figures. That's crazy. I thought everyone was playing down that it would be like you know like. I think Trump said if it's below hundred thousand, it would be a win. And people <laughs> thought he was. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be over by yeah. April. Yeah. That kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually made the same half a billion prediction to some friends at, uh, or sorry, no, to, Wait, to my wife. Over you mean half a million today? Half, half a billion. billion. Oh half my god! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, America is wiped out. <laughs> half a billion. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, it, I, I think even the vaccine talk that's been going on recently is making people let their guards down, right? Like, it's going to be a long, mm. slow burn. Before this is kind of over, you're not seeing like 3,000 deaths a day like you're seeing now. So yeah, I, I had to agree. Sadly, it will be that bad before it's over. I don't know States. why we're pretending like the vaccine is going to fix everything. Like no one gets a flu shot. Americans are like <laughs> radically like anti-vax. And like it's not even like we have a good healthcare system to distribute said vaccine. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I know. Maybe maybe we're just clinging on to like any shred of hope we can <laughs> we can get after think, a really yeah, shitty year. Yeah, right? I think Ebola like really messed us up because like if we had the same energy that we had for Ebola, like mm-hmm. as we we did for COVID, <laughs> I don't think we would be in the situation. Do you remember how was that? It was like yeah. Ebola or Zika. I can't remember which one we were treating. Like Ebola. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, th- we I don't were- think Zika ever made it out of Brazil. Really. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I was I went to public health school, so like we treated every scary sounding mm-hmm. disease as if it was COVID. So, um, yeah. It, I don't know. Like, remember, we we were so worried about Ebola to the point that like, uh, I forgot who who ended up buying all of it. But like the drug that they're using to treat COVID, remdesivir, like one pharmaceutical like bought like the world supply in it to like ready themselves for an Ebola pandemic, and it never came. Um. And I mean, like now we're using it, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say how much of it is because there was a movie to go with Ebola, that movie Outbreak. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know there was a movie. Yeah, I remember it. that. That was a scary movie. I was a kid when I watched that. So it was pretty <laughs> fucking terrifying. We watched Contagion and, and uh, Outbreak the day that all the schools closed, like me and the kids. Oh, man. The problem with COVID, and it's, it, I mean, like from our perspective, for COVID's perspective, it's great for it, is that um, it's not scary enough. Like Ebola freaked us out because we knew what the symptoms uh, were. You know, right. basically your organs melt. It also has like a 100% melt. mortality rate. Right. It sounds like uh, like a alien virus 
uh, mm-hmm. sent to you. Whereas COVID is just like a very severe flu. And I think that's one of the reasons why people don't take it as seriously. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I've got the People play with the, the flu, numbers. So. You know, they'll say like, oh, but it has like a 1%, um, you know, like it, the survival rate is 99%. Mm. They'll say it like that when they don't feel like taking it seriously. Yeah. yeah. I don't but know. But if like everybody gets it, that 1% is pretty huge, right? Right, right. right. Like the, the thing about statistics is all it takes is for you to be that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah one in 400. Yeah. The hard, the hard way. yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know. I think if like people started describing like how what happens like if you were that one per, you know like one percent or like whatever the statistic is, like people would be taking it much more seriously. It's not about like oh it's like a more severe flu. I think it's like you know they have to intubate you while you're awake. You can't. You literally can't breathe and like you die. You literally die alone. Like your family is not allowed in the room as you like slowly like lose consciousness. Like that's that's awful. And then like I've heard some people like they have to rush funerals or like they have to like burn the body because the body is like contagious or something like that. And my aunt died of COVID in July. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. so we so just watched her that. take her last breaths on FaceTime. Like the, the nurse basically set up a, um, like some, their, their own phone to FaceTime. And, mm-hmm. um, they, she like propped the phone up on a couple books next to my aunt's bed. And that's how we all said goodbye oh, to her. Was and she then it was conscious? like a zoom funeral too. Oh no, goodness. she wasn't conscious by that point. I see. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. That's awful. And she actually never left the house either. She was she was quarantined the whole time. Oh, she scary. caught COVID because um, her daughter, it, my cousin, is a, is a nurse. Oh. And brought that's... it home to her. Filipino nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm really not looking forward to the obvious uh, political fight that will go about with the vaccine. You know, who gets what, who gets mm-hmm. credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, America will obviously try to take credit for <laughs> inventing the vaccine because it's already in the hole in terms of how it handled it. So this will be like its, uh, you know, salvation. Mm-hmm. And I, I've already heard fights <laughs> about, obviously, uh, various industries want their workers to get the vaccine first. Because you know whether Don't you're, have to, yeah, you can go back. Because you know they they need they need to get they need to get uh more productive again. Back to work and <clears throat> yeah. So and and there was apparently like a big fight between Nate Silver and some bunch of researchers on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Some sort of Stanford thing. Maybe I don't know if Stanford was the. Uh, uh, apparently the the fight was whether so. So the researchers said that people with like pre-existing health conditions. Should get the vaccine first. I think Nate Silver said no. It's, it's the elderly, and then there was like a huge fight over that. And it just it's just like the worst scenario where you have people fighting over a scarce, uh, valuable, mm-hmm. life sustaining resource. And like you know, it's gonna be get ugly. On the on the positive side, one of my predictions for well, positive, assuming it happens in twenty twenty one, is that I actually think the states are gonna be super fast at um, deploying this thing compared to some other countries uh, and i don't mean that like people are going to be super fast to take it up because there's, there's obviously like a good chunk of people who like don't want to have anything to do with it in the early days but i think that like if they have a problem that they like really need to solve to like boost their ego and they can solve it by throwing money at it um the states Agreed. can be pretty good at that so i actually can see them doing that quite well like this biden thing like 100 100 million um you know doses by his first 100 days or whatever um, I think that that was already kind of in the works even before he made the 
you know, made the statement that he would do that. So I do think that they can actually do a, a quite a good job getting this thing out, um, especially once the like non Pfizer, non like ultra cold uh, vaccines um, mm-hmm. become widely available. I think Moderna was just approved like a day ago. So I, I feel positive there for Americans. Um, and the fact that they made it like that the feds are covering it is fantastic. Like, they shouldn't have know, to cover it though, as, um, you know. As it, well, <laughs> they, yeah, and especially as a Canadian, I'm like this is kind of fucked up, but like it's great It's yeah. great that they are covering it. So yeah. that I feel good about that part. That's nice. I like I like a little optimism. It, it feels like it's been a while since I've seen that. Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone here ever played the original Fallout, the computer game? I have, yes. Didn't Wasn't there some vaccine that was supposed to be like anti-radiation that turned them all into the mutants? No, that was actually, uh, I think it was actually like intentionally oh, okay. meant to turn this year right. to mutants. I think it's I Am <laughs> yeah. Legend. Oh, no, I Am Legend was, I think, like a cancer treatment. I can't remember. I'm sure there was inspiration. Yeah, it's always like some, some treatment yeah. that goes wrong or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Liza, oh, any predictions you want to? It can be any category. Oh, at this point, we're just going uh, random. So a- any prediction you want to give us? Um. Yeah, I'm still, you know, like my my big interest that I the one that I'm following constantly is uh, the streaming versus cinema wars. Basically, how Hollywood is at war with mm. itself. <laughs> Die. <laughs> we, we've been giving weekly updates yeah, on this thing this is, on, this on the is, pod. Yeah, I, guess I keep going back and forth because I'm like, oh, I see that point, and then I'm like, the next week I'm like, well, I see that point too. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, one like broad thing I think that we're going to notice is that because of the streaming wars, um, a lot of these like uh, effects-driven action movies are major tentpole blockbusters. I think they're going to start to look really cheap and somewhat cheesy because they're not going to want to spend all that money that they used to. You mm-hmm. know, like when you watch like super epic movies from like 2006 or like 2004, like kingdom of heaven, for example, I, I know Chris, you just watched that the other I night. Watching, I love that movie. And I watched a much inferior theatrical version. So I'm probably going to love the director's yeah, cut. Not even the more. Director's cut. Yeah. So like, if you think about the way <laughs> that movie looks and then you, if they tried to make a similar movie of that scale moving forward, I, th- I don't think it's going to look as good, you know? Um, so I think that, yeah, on the plus side, indie films might have a chance to flourish since their budgets hopefully won't change. Liza, this this quality thing you're you're bringing up is this because like on on you know your TV screen or computer screen you don't need to have as much attention to detail, or is it because there's less prestige with movies that aren't show on the screen? Because they screen? can't make like, their why, money back why the way they, they could that... with like just cramming as many people in the box into a theater and mm-hmm. just selling as many tickets as they can from the box office. You know, oh, like I see. these these like tentpole movies, um, like like an Avengers, for example, or like The Dark Knight. Um, they they made their money back by just attracting as many people to the theaters as possible, mm-hmm. and so that's I, I think that's part of the reason why directors like um, like Nolan and um, here we go again. The guy that directed Dune and Arrival. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, say. His, I'm not saying his name <laughs> Dennis again. Dennis Villanueva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dennis Villanueva. That guy. I- Jerry, we had this. We had this like five minute segment in our last episode where Liza struggled to pronounce Dennis uh, Villanueva's name because <laughs> I think you you're, you said you were trying to pronounce it like I the Spanish way Dennis or something. Villanueva because Ooh. I thought he was part. I was yeah. I didn't realize he was French Canadian. I actually thought oh. that he was part of like the uh, the Mexican New Wave, like Del Toro or um, <laughs> it's the Filipino in us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, well, Chris and I, the, the Canadians, we we had the precise, precise Quebecois. Uh, well, Philip, you're you're Anglo, you're you're an Anglophone uh, scum because you you pronounce Dennis as uh, Denis Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> oh, Denis Denis, yeah, that's right. Denis, but anyway, right. I think that's part of the reason that directors like them are very upset about this move to streaming because mm. the kind of movies that they make really depend on like, you know, um, nine figure budgets. Mm. I could see that. Yeah, I I could see that. But like, I think that's I think. I hope audiences will win out with that because like I I would much rather have like a movie with like really good plot than like explosions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I want both. I want like I want <laughs> you know, I want like really good indie movies. I want really good small like um mid-budget dramas and comedies mm. that are actually good. But I also still want like the big epic like grandiose like you know uh, blockbuster productions, all the spectacular effects. I still, I still like that too. Yeah, something about Kingdom of Heaven. You gotta watch that <laughs> on the big screen. You cannot watch on your laptop on streaming. It's just like defeats yeah, the whole the purpose. Thing with, the I thing see. with the like the turn to streaming is that like I don't know like like we we have like a pretty large. We have a we have a large screen TV, and then we have like the Bose surround sound system. So watching Tenet or kingdom of heaven in our family room is not that bad, but like most people I think are watching on much smaller screens, like their, mm-hmm. their laptops, mm-hmm. God forbid their phones. Oh my God. No, like but I think people do that, right? This is you know? a new reality. I don't think that people have like, an, I don't think most yeah. people have like an 85 inch with a, sur- <laughs> like a, <laughs> with a surround sound system and yeah. like a subwoofer. Yeah. I don't have a TV room. in my apartment. <laughs> So a lot yeah. of it is lost. Like when I think about people that were complaining about Tenet and they were talking about the sound mixing, um, I was like, if you if you only have one speaker that all of it comes from, then it does sound very, it, it will probably would sound very muffled. But if you do have like a big sound system, then like different sounds will come out of different speakers, mm. which is how it was meant to be heard and watched. Not that it matters is that movie yeah, is confusing it, as fuck, you know apparently. I, so. I, like, I, I didn't understand what was going on in the middle. <laughs> I didn't understand it. Yeah, and like yeah. I really thought that I went into it like laughing at everybody, like, ha ha ha. This movie cannot possibly be any harder to understand than Inception. You guys are I just digging around on your phones at home. You're all scrolling Amazon while you're watching a Nolan. Oh my movie. god. Just imagine yeah. just imagine how Oh Jesus Christ! And then I watched the movie, and I was like, "Okay, you're right. Like, I'm I, I have all of the I have all the requirements that Nolan expects you to have, and I still can't understand this movie. Like the whole, the whole. Uh, so it's like a two hour, forty minute movie, and I would say for two hours I was confused. I was I was there for the first twenty minutes, and then I was there for the last twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean, how sad is that? Like, we've already seen the rise of what some call, uh, you know, ambient entertainment where it's just supposed to you know kind of like how you, you turn on maybe something like uh lo-fi hip-hop while you study it's like the movie movie equivalent of that while mm. you just 
sitting around in your apartment. You just need something that's like pleasant to look at. You something don't really to keep need to... you company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and that's gonna overtake the. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to finish my sentence. It's too depressing. All right, what, uh, we got some time left. Why don't we just go into a lightning round of various predictions that we have uh, that we want to get off our chest? Jerry, let's start with you. Do you got any? Uh, um, I'm. Let me think. I think I'm gonna go with. My hottest take, which is that I believe conservatives will come up with a right wing version of AOC, um, some young is hot star word, hot star and like not afraid to say like, like, again, like kind of referring back to that Trump idea of like far radical ideas in your head, except saying them out loud. Um, it, and this time this person will be a white supremacist. Don't they already have that in like Candace Owens? <laughs> But, but she's not embraced yeah, by the, yeah. by the uh, Republicans per se, you know, openly, right? She's just like some oh, you mean like an person. actual politician? But is that but is that what you're saying? Are you saying that like like politicians are gonna like the political conservatives are going to embrace a young, hot right wing person like AOC, maybe a Candace Owen or like Ben Someone Shapiro's that looks like sister, Hope apparently, Hicks or like so. yeah, so, like one yeah. like one figure and. AOC and this person are going to have like an anime level rivalry where they're just tweeting at each other. That would be fucking <laughs> sick when their power Absolutely. levels are going up the board and like right. AOC is going Naruto Super Saiyan 3 Sasuke, or whatever. You know what I mean? I want to see that shit. Yeah. yeah I can see the Republicans going with someone like super hot, like someone that looks like Ivanka or Hope Hicks, someone that looks like that, but then just like, you know, she says all of her lines in not an embarrassing way. <laughs> Isn't Josh Hawley their big guy, though? Like, I keep seeing his name in the headlines. Yeah, I mean, I hate that guy. But I think he might be a little <laughs> young. Uh, he might need a, f- a few years of experience. But hey, who knows, right? But I really think that's going to be half the battle. Yeah, genuinely. Half the battle is looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, not even, yeah. they don't even have to be, like, like hot. They just have to be, like, conventionally attractive. You know what I mean? Like Like Trump. You think it's going to be a man or a woman? I'm predicting a woman. I mean, gonna, that, that'll be like their, their biggest gotcha, right? Like, just imagine how how much they'd have to crow if the first female president of the United States was like... Is a Republican. Not oh only a Republican, God. but like a Trump acolyte. <laughs> it would... But like, oh. we've been predicting that, right? They're just like, okay, you know what? You want to play the identity politics game? The Republicans will push someone out. It'll be like, you know, if they can find like a woman of color, they will totally go for it. Mm-hmm. What a plot And twist. especially if she's attractive. You and know, then like it's the- like, how, how are Democrats going to beat them at their, <laughs> how are the, Rep- like, how would the Democrats beat them at their own, you know, they're going to lose at their own game. <laughs> I think, I think the worst part is like, you're going to see, you're going to see, um, liberals like make comments comments like oh like you know i'm not a republican but representation is representation you know like i i feel like mm-hmm. we're gonna <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is the confused boner we were talking about earlier yeah okay. the problem is when you make rules like this that everybody is forced to follow it's like what happens when everybody does follow them mm. and then you lose yeah. well, what i think would happen in that situation is i think the the identity politics people would not support that Republican candidate, but there will be people on the on the left who will make, if not borderline, it's just like outright kind of race gender based attacks, and that will trigger that kind of protective instinct among them, and that will cause infighting among the 
among the the liberals and leftists. I don't think anyone would actually support that person, but it would cause so much infighting mm. among the the left and liberals and progressive, whatever you want to call that whole bunch of anyone people. Anyone left of uh, McConnell? Right, yeah. Uh, so let's say Candace Owens runs for president. I don't think anyone, uh, you know, left of center and beyond would actually support her, but it would cause so much, um, like, it would cause a civil war uh, that she could just... Which she would, would benefit. Be- which would benefit them anyway, right? Exactly, and that would be their that would be their gain. Yeah, this is the confused boner like political <laughs> yeah. theory. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anybody got predictions? Anyone can jump in. I I did not write this down originally, but it just came to mind because we've mm-hmm. been talking about it for some time. I think white guys will become more dateable um, because with Trump out, it's now acceptable to. Oh yeah, the, the white guys again. Mm, I guess like it's it's less of an embarrassing thing. Stigma has been lifted. Not that it didn't happen. Like not the, yeah, but the stigma, like all the you know all the the shit that people talked about, you know, um, over the last four years. That's it's all it's all gone now. We're good. We're good to go back yeah. to the good old days. I mean, talk so about I some like brace yourselves for some upcoming cringe articles about interracial dating. We already saw one in the Washington Post. Remember about Kamala Harris and how her. No. Uh, send us to the vice presidency as like a new dawn for interracial couples, by which they meant uh, black women with white men, which they should have just said outright. Yeah, those battles aren't going to end. Yeah, there was this uh, a black woman comedian. I forget her name. I think it started with an R. Um, I think she was on the Black Lady Sketch Show, but she tweeted something about how like, please elect Biden because there's like a bunch of like hot white boys I, I need to kiss or something, and I can't <laughs> kiss them if, if like Trump's still president. <laughs> and and then she says. The next thing she tweeted in the same tweet was like, I'm deadly serious or something. And people called her out, like other black people, including other black women, called her out for it. And she's like, oh, it's only a joke. And like, you just said it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these, these, uh, yeah, these things never go. <laughs> Any other predictions? Uh, I keep hearing the phrase roaring 20s come up from culture writers. What? And that like um basically that we're headed towards another era of indulgence and vice and like sex and drugs and all kinds of hedonism. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. Similar to the <laughs> similar to the um <laughs> But isn't that assuming that there's no more pandemics coming in the near future or that like I, I don't know, like people aren't like on the brink of like I don't know, not surviving. <laughs> Yeah, true. Um, like, I can see why people would be drawn to that. But mm. the 1920s, like, they didn't have to deal with, like, climate change or uh, what we're experiencing right now. That's that's an interesting take. Like, I feel like I, I feel like with that or, like, either we'll go through that entire phase and then hit this or just skip that and go straight into this. But my partner, like predicts that like the stock market is gonna crash and like i really feel like if anything i don't know we're kind of in a recession now so i guess like that's i don't know if we're gonna plunge into another great depression but i don't know i just feel like the economy and like all everyone like thinking about jobs and like how hard the job market is right now and like i think this is very niche but i think about this like one restaurant in brooklyn um and like on a good weekend before covid they were making like thirty thousand dollars in like a single weekend and like now they like when covid happened they literally had to lay off everyone um wait what restaurant is this gertie's i think it's yeah gertie's yeah in williamsburg um and uh 
Yeah. And like, I, I don't know how money or stonks work, but I feel like, I feel like that's something like that bad is going to happen again. Like something with like, the financial market and we're all going to lose our 401ks or however any of this works something like that yeah it's too precarious Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's always been precarious right like when the when the l shut down you know the elmageddon wasn't weren't brooklyn restaurants everyone was freaking out out? yeah people were like like, mass exodusing out and then covid happened and they actually apparently fixed the l I'm not even making that up. <laughs> there was yeah, time no to one fix was it because no one was writing it anymore, so it's all good now. That actually makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. I think one thing that people learned this this past year is that the economy and the stock market are two different things. How well the stock market is doing has nothing to fuck to do with who has a job, you know, and is making That's money so and producing weird. whatever goods and services understand. right now. I heard. I right? heard like so. Um, I, I, I truly do not understand this, but like apparently like the stimulus bill is good for rich people, like the $600 that all the less than I, I don't I, there's like a income cutoff, I think still right like less than 70,000. Yeah. So like I, I've heard that like this is supposed to like help the stock market because it will pump money back into the economy or something like totally over my head. Don't get it. But I don't I don't know. I I still feel nervous about like money just yeah exactly like everyone's like oh it's a new decade like no it's not (laughs) we're still here yeah one of my coworkers, like at the beginning of the pandemic when things initially shut Mm -hmm. down he's new york he was like just think about how big that party is gonna be because they were talking about like new york is dead blah 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 all this shit right they're they're saying like think about how big that party is gonna be the first day the pandemic is over first day whatever that means right like yeah, it doesn't make any sense, waves. right? But this idea that, like, <laughs> right. no, he's he's saying, yeah, that's exactly it. He, but he he imagined at the time that like there's going to be a day when it's all good and people are going to burst out into the streets of like New York and they're going to want to spend money and like you know get wasted and have sex and all this stuff. But it's going to be this like mm-hmm. long drawn out thing that look, it's not going to take the whole decade. It's going to take think about that a year. The problem with right, that from- is that um, I think people like they bought too much into the war rhetoric. So they're imagining Times Square, like when, I don't know, like when um, the, the when World War II was over, you know? Yeah, yeah. V-Day, right? Vaccine <laughs> Day or Victory Day, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Reality is everyone's going to be fat, hairy, and have erectile dysfunction. That's what's going to Is happen. that what happened in Wally? <laughs> Actually, it kind of is, right? Every, everyone is uh, grossly overweight yeah. and, yeah. No, no bone density left. Yeah. Nothing, nothing cinematic. I think here, the COVID's going to be with us till like 2022 because people are so stupid. Yeah, mm, I could, yeah. I could agree with that. Like, I mean, by then it could be like a very weak strain uh, that is irritating but not really life threatening anymore. See, Chris, Chris, your 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 outlook on this is completely different from that podcast that we recorded at the beginning of of the lockdown when you were talking about how people are going to be super fucking horny because they can't fuck during COVID. And at the end of the res- uh, of this whole thing, everyone's going to want to go out and like date and stuff again. It's going to be a big outburst of like pent up lust. But now you're like, no, we're all going to be. No, fucking, if I recall like, correctly, I said that it will be very and- interesting to see wh- what happens. <laughs> Are people going to be so amped up that? They're just gonna like fuck like bunnies when it's done, or are people have be so beat down that that they'll have the sex drive just sucked out of them? I don't think I predicted that everyone was just gonna go and and just have an orgy. 
Mm. Maybe what he meant is that everyone's standards are so low <laughs> after being pent up for so long. See, this coincides with my prediction that white guys are beautiful again. Standards just drop over time. I will say, I do think it's the, the latter one. I think, like, I think everyone's just going to be so beat down because, like, a lot of people are not, I won't say a lot, but, like, I feel like I've been reading, like, a fair amount of pieces on, on like, every publishing platform that's been, like, talking about hooking up in the pandemic. Um, So, like, I feel like if you're feeling that horny, you're going to literally risk your life for the d yeah that's true that's true like i mean i feel like half the people are just acting as if everything's been back to normal for months now anyway (laughs) just gave up which is so disappointing no i I walk through the streets of new york i I, I see people doing indoor dining i'm like what what a good lining up in the uh for the gym like whoa i don't know (laughs) i haven't stepped outside of my house since um the end of august and i haven't left my street since march 11th wow (laughs) I'm like not even bragging or anything or like expecting any kind of like applause it's kind of just like this is I feel like this is what I've always wanted to do with my life (laughs) is like just stay home forever Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's gotta be some prediction around how extroverts and introverts can like um, you know conduct themselves after COVID right like I in 2021 like onwards, you know, like- I'm a very much an introvert. I, I like, mm-hmm. I hate to go out. And um, this has been like, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's been like one of my favorite years ever. <laughs> like I have literally not <laughs> left my house since like September. And like, this is great. I could keep going. I was walking the streets today. I saw it's like on the bus station, you know, how they have like those electronic screens that show, you know, advertisements. One of them was a tweet by someone who said like, first rule of 2021, do not talk about 2020. Um, and and that, that, that that's another prediction I have. I, I think people will learn absolutely nothing uh, from the coronavirus. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, I whether it comes to politics, science, culture, entertainment, uh, family relations, romantic relationships, whatever. No one's going to learn a thing. And I think it, it's exemplified in a tweet like that where like, la, 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 I am not listening. This never happened. And I think that is very discouraging because, hey, the least we can do from all this is, you know, learn a lesson so it doesn't happen again. I, I don't think anyone's going to learn anything from it. What what lesson is there? To I mean, learn? for starters, I don't know. Shore up your uh, health infrastructure so you don't. You're not scrambling. You're not pirating <laughs> France's PPE. Uh, you know, during the the first <laughs> days of the coronavirus. But you know what? If you're president, that thing. Uh, you know, the, the like a pandemic might not happen on your watch, so you don't really want to waste money uh, doing that. So let somebody else take care of it when it happens. You know that that's not going to change. So. I think yeah. people are going to go even further. I think they're going to say, we don't talk about 2020. I think they're going to start saying, we don't talk about 2016 to 2020. Oh, yeah. People, uh, Democrats are already doing that. They're just like pretending 2016 didn't happen. Yeah. So. <gasps> I feel like 2020 was like the year that really radicalized people. So I feel like it'd be kind of a waste to not talk about it. No, and I, I th- no Jerry, I think really? you're half right in that it has radicalized a lot of people. I think it has also caused a lot of people to double down. So yeah. I think it has polarized okay. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it is a year that like QAnon and that whole movement went from just like anti-vaxxers to like full-on large population of uh, crazy yeah. conspiracy people. But I'm thinking, people, I, right? I'm talking so. even among liberals. You know, I mean, how crazy is it to think that 
after what happened in 2016, that Joe Biden was the answer to everything. And then now he, he eked <laughs> out like this. <laughs> right. And he eked it out this victory. Uh, and, and now you're acting like this is some kind of mandate and whatever. And they have no vision for the future. I mean, I, I, they're going to get clobbered in 2024 unless some miracle happens. Uh, so, yeah. But for the next four years, they get to pretend that it's 2016 and Trump never happened, I guess. What would it take for them to not get <laughs> clobbered in 2024? A meteor. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, let's see. To not get clobbered it's like everything points to them getting clobbered, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Point, I, I would, really, you would really think that a pandemic that kills like 300,000 plus people would wake you up, but I guess yeah, not. I, know. <laughs> I guess no, not. Barely got the presidency and lost the House and Senate. Um, so it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it would take. You, you don't think that like there's some weird like off chance that Biden could be pushed on a bunch of different you know, leftward leaning policy decisions. Like even the thing around, um, which probably won't happen, but like canceling $50,000 of student debt with an executive order in the first 100 days of his. I mean, first of all, it's that. not going to be 50000 It might be like 500 bucks, but it's yeah. not going to be 50000 And And did you, have you heard, have you seen what he's done to like the whole Black Lives Matter people? It's totally ignore their calls. Yeah, where well, he like yeah, berates he, them. He, like he ignores them or just like he like, you know, he, screams, like at screams at them. Absolutely no hope that he's gonna be pushed to the left. I mean, like what leverage does the left have? Absolutely not. right. Uh so it's total pipe dream, uh, wishful yes. thinking, fantasy land, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So the only way that they can <laughs> Thank get you. I was trying to be optimistic, Chris, and you, you just cut me <laughs> off. <laughs> oh goodness. Um So yeah. the only way they could be pushed left is by Republicans. <laughs> Yeah, Trump. Yeah, by Trump asking for two thousand bucks. This is crazy. Going back to and where we started. Up for all us people who have to stream illegal stuff because the all this all the you know streamer services are trying to gouge us like they're the you know like they're Comcast. Like we were complaining about Comcast like ten years ago. These people are even worse, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Right, so crack open a bottle of champagne, ring in the New Year. Should all the acquaintance be forgotten? How do you pronounce the title of that song? Old Lang Syne? Yeah. Old Lang Syne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never been able to pronounce the title. Is it the uh, what, AU? What, what would you say it? How, how would you say it? I, it's not Spanish. You don't want to hear the way I would say it. <laughs> I'm like afraid to say anybody's name now. If it's not a Filipino name no, or a please, Spanish please, name, like I'm too scared. <laughs> For shits and giggles, how would you, how would you pronounce <laughs> it? <laughs> no. I, I want to know now. Speaking of not being able to say uh, Filipino stuff, Rami Malik, how is he going to fake that very thick Filipino accent? Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so they they're in talks right now. Uh, so Netflix is making a Manny Pacquiao movie, and Leonardo DiCaprio has already been cast as Freddie Roach, which perfectly fine with me. He'll be fine. And then they're That's in, a coach, right? Yeah, and then they're in talks to cast Rami Malek as Manny Pacquiao. I'm going to kill myself. Are you serious? <laughs> they're like, in I'm talks. not Filipino, and this like pisses me off so much. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, this is like, it's basically like Filipino Rocky. I mean, I understand that I understand that Pacquiao has... Is Rami Malek going to become the... Is he going to become the male Scarlett Johansson? Like, is yeah, this but, what's But you happening? can't attack him because he's brown, you know, so he's uh, protected. I mean, he's the least true, deserving true, true. Yeah, of a true. best ask. Uh, best actor Oscar like ever. Wait, did he actually win? 
for he Freddie won for Mercury? Bohemian for, Reps, oh Rhapsody. Oh my god, what a travesty. Freddie Mercury? Uh, yeah. So, no. Is he good in that? <laughs> I, no, I assume so, right? No. If he, won the thing. he was good oh, in this no, a lot. he wasn't good. Oh, they just okay, needed well. a diversity win. I don't know. So now, like, you know, thanks a lot. Like, now every single, like, now every time they award best actor or something, or like one of the acting awards to someone who's not white, especially, like, they're just going to be like, I guess because they're going to have imposter syndrome. Like, oh, God, am I the new Rami Malek, though? <laughs> you know everyone is laughing at him. Oh, man. Like, who won before him? Gary Oldman and, like, Daniel Day-Lewis and, like, Leo, mm. followed up by Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and then suddenly you have Rami Malek sitting in the middle of all that. It doesn't make sense. It looks terrible. You don't think it'll be Chadwick Boseman? Mm, a post- Wait, for what? A post- but he hasn't won yet. Postumous. Oh no, that's that's for this oh, year. He's yeah, up he, for, yeah. Um, post the posthumous, right? The posthumous is like super, super hard to to argue against. He's I like, don't, he, I don't he, like those kinds of died, awards. Though he's black. But, but what movie was he I know, in? That he like, he was in so it's for um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that's on Netflix now. Oh okay. Oh the jazz movie. I watched it the other day. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, I'm I'm all for Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal for Best Actor. That's oh, I that's my need pick. to watch that. But I, I'll, I, I would anything he does, cool, great, love it. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Sweatshop Boys on on just on YouTube. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, I think we're approaching time. So, uh, any any last things you want to say before this year closes out? I have a uh, an accomplishment that I'm very proud of. Oh, what? Ooh. I watched 459 movies this year. Whoa. God damn. That's like one and a half movies Holy per, fuck. per day almost. Mm-hmm. Wait, but but you also said your dad watched like 600 yeah, or something me. stupid. Wow, <laughs> I can't even name that many movies. How many did he watch? Six, <gasps> 500, yeah, He's 600? up there in like the 600s. Oh man, that's like two movies a day. Holy crap. That's insane. Hey, Eliza, do you keep like a journal? Like how uh, do you keep track? We, I keep a journal and my dad keeps like a spreadsheet on his computer. Nice. Hey, I do, I, I do the same. I keep a nice. Google spreadsheet of nice. everything I read, watch, and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah wow sometimes you forget and yeah <laughs> what do you mean play you mean like, like computer games? games computer nice. games okay. like yeah. games nice. and stuff yes they do count as, as culture yeah. and culture <laughs> yeah untitled Goose game. that was my game for 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, i'm playing transistor right now this Very is what good. i'm talking about this is why i'm like living my best life right now in quarantine like mm. what other year can i do this <laughs> Yes, that's true, actually. Like, how many movies do you think you oh, watched I last year? A, I, kept like, my, I looked at my journal from last year. It was 326 last year. Yeah, Holy, still a lot, yeah. Holy fuck. You still watch about a movie a day in a year when you, like, were it's not bonkers. locked at home at all times. Yeah. That's crazy. Whoa. Man, my last thing was going to be, like, I we were eating dinner and, like, the last fragments of the movie Battleship came on. I don't know if you guys have seen that oh train wreck God. of the movie. Yeah, that bad. <laughs> I've seen clips of it. Yeah, you know, know the one that's based on the board yeah, game, Rihanna's right? Yeah, okay. Rihanna and Taylor Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, my closing thing would be, like, in, you know, there's still, like, nine, nine-ish days left in 2020. So, if, like, aliens want to come and just, like, round out the year for us, <laughs> this is your sign, aliens. <laughs> I feel like they're coming. Just come and wreck like shit. Are. Yeah, it feels like the, the yeah. conjunction of Jupiter <gasps> and Saturn is really mm-hmm. just the alignment of like some kind of large solar, like, <gasps> I don't know, communication device. 
will send aliens over through like warp technology in the next <gasps> nine days. I wish that you possible. said this at the very beginning of the podcast because I would ask you to expand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Mm. So it looks like we are bidding farewell to 2020. Happy, uh, happy end of 2020. This is it. <sighs> One last question: Do you think people are gonna like celebrate New Year's uh, this year? Like. I guess people can't go out to clubs and bars like they normally do, but any kind of... Why can't of, they, though? Aren't some open? But they will, they will yeah, anyway. Like, they definitely will anyway. I feel anyway. like my social media, when I watch Instagram stories on Sundays, I'm like, a lot of people are going out. No. Not the same way that yeah, they did before, you, you know but people gonna... are still acting in a way that there is like practically no pandemic. Hmm. Well, I don't know about the clubs and bars, but um, I hope we celebrate Fourth or New Year's like we we did in Fourth of July, where everyone had fireworks for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> every single day there were fireworks. <laughs> every day was that. the fourth. Yeah, so I kind of hope we do that again, um, just because I remember standing on my rooftop. I, I can't even do this. I'm I'm not in New York, but like it was cool to like stand on my roof and just like watch fireworks everywhere <laughs> did anyone ever figure out why that was happening like across the country and it was so synchronized that it's like every night at like 10 45 at night i heard it was because um a bunch of like firework like wholesalers were stocking up and then the pandemic happened and in an attempt to like just so they didn't lose money. They literally sold fireworks to like anyone who came through the doors. It was like, I want fireworks. And everyone decided that Fire like 1045 sale. at night was the time to set them all off. I, I I think, I don't know about like the timing. I think it was more just like, okay, like I'm done with work for the day. I'm, you know, like right before <laughs> bed, <laughs> I'm going to shoot some fireworks. fireworks. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, have you, have you ever gone to like a park with like a bunch of fireworks? You're like ready to do it. And then you just kind of wait for it to be sufficiently no. dark. <laughs> And you kind of know, you know, in, no, come on, like, you know, inside, like, when it's sufficiently dark to light the first fireworks. Like, I think everyone has mm. that internal clock and it just went off Interesting. the same time. So it's just a so. big coincidence. There's no conspiracy or anything. I, I definitely heard some, like, crazy racist conspiracies about the fireworks mm-hmm. uh, on July 4th. Um, but I don't think there is one. I think people just wanted to party at the same time. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. a pent up thing, right? It's just like people wanted to, you know, in the same way that I think that people are going to break, um, you know, lockdown slash curfew for New Year's because if if you want to say like fuck a year, any year is this year, you know. And what better way to do it than to get wasted and die. on New Year's Eve <laughs> and die? <laughs> I was so conditioned by my elementary school teachers that even like lighting a firecracker had a ninety five percent chance of you blowing off your hand. So I've always been scared of lighting fireworks or firecrackers. <laughs> they, they brainwashed me at an early age. But maybe if those wholesalers uh, gave me free fireworks, I would have just taken it and be like, hell yeah. You could probably still get some. Fuck yeah. You didn't hear that Maybe, from me. maybe. Especially with the New Year's <laughs> coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun having you and we hope you return. And for all our listeners, hope you had, uh, you know, as good a 2020 as, as you could hope for and hopefully 2021 will be better for all of us. Yeah, likewise. I just like getting to see internet friends and seeing our faces. <laughs> yeah, the best kind of friends, especially in 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, so happy 2020 to everyone and happy New Year's and hope your Christmases went well and Hanukkahs and everything. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye, all. Right. <laughs>